BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Hey, everybody. My name is Jesse Collings, and I want to tell you all about my show, The Gentleman's Wrestling Podcast, here on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. On the Gentleman's Wrestling Podcast, we do a thorough analysis on the biggest issues and trends within the pro wrestling industry. We talk a lot about pro wrestling media, we talk a lot about fan culture and wrestling's place within general pop culture, and we talk about the broader influences that are shaping the way we discuss and analyze the pro wrestling industry. We've had some of the brightest minds in the pro wrestling intelligentsia on the show, including WrestleNomics host Brandon Thurston, both Rich Krejci and Joe Lanza from the Flagship Wrestling Podcast, Trevor Dame from the Through the Years Podcast, and a whole lot more. This isn't a show for hot takes. It's not a show recapping the latest episode of television. This is a show focusing on the biggest topics in pro wrestling and doing a deep dive on the real stories behind the surface level analysis you might find elsewhere. The Gentleman's Wrestling Podcast is available wherever you get your podcasts, and we'd really appreciate it if you gave us a try. Thanks. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Hello everybody and welcome to the Super Jcast. I'm Joel, joined by Daniel McDonald. It is Sunday the 5th of February. This is episode 245. Uh, let's start off with this one, uh, Damon. Liam says, if you had to choose three wrestlers to rob a bank with you, whom would you choose? Uh, Nick Cage, right? <laughs> I mean, he has experience, right? Um, mm-hmm. I mean... Do you think they have to be New Japan wrestlers? Or- oh, they no, have to be New Japan? Pick, pick whoever. All right, All right, we'll do one one non-New Japan and then one New Japan. Okay, so that's my non, because we have experience. Uh, and he lives, like, less than 10 minutes away from me, National Park. Uh, a New Japan wrestler? Hmm. I want somebody who's uh, intimidating. I think I need somebody intimidating. 
uh, just in case anybody steps out of line. You know what I mean? So I might go Great Ocon. I was going to say Badu Tito. Oh, that's a good one too. Uh, how about uh, Minoru Suzuki? Who's a, who's a getaway driver? Ghetto. <laughs> Yeah, that might be a good one, actually. Yeah, I want he'd probably some... drive off without you though. When if, if shit got bad, he'd, he'd just <laughs> yeah, be out yeah. of there like a flash. I'll be right. Uh, who's going to drive that fucking car? I need somebody responsible. You're right. I need somebody responsible to hear. How about? <laughs> I was going to say red shoes Uno, but... <laughs> <laughs> right, right. That might be good. That one might be good. Uh, he could be the point man. Yeah. I don't know what that means, but, <laughs> but that's he, okay. he sounds like a point man. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever that what job might be, it sounds like, it sounds like it's perfect for him. Uh, all right, yeah, so I'll go. Uh, who's driving the fucking car? Um, you know who I'd want to drive the car? Kevin Kelly. Yeah, tell me yeah. more. Because he's responsible. He's, he, he sees things in advance. Uh, in the sense of he could probably predict issues or challenges that we might have. Uh, yeah, I want that. Oh, okay, well, we've got the perfect trio there. We've got Kevin, right. Chris Charlton, because obviously he would, you know, research the, the the bank that you're robbing. He'd know everything. You know all about the security systems, how to deactivate them. And then Gino Gambino, he's your he's the muscle. Yeah, I thought you were going to say Chris was going to slide underneath the door. <laughs> <laughs> Just kind of walk up to the safe and just be like, ah, I can get in. No problem. Slide in the crack. I'm in. Hey, everybody. <laughs> oh, damn. No. <clears throat> All right. Um, man, it's a good one. That's not a bad one. That's not a bad one. I like that. Why are we robbing banks? What are we doing? Why, why are we robbing banks? We don't need to rob banks, do we? Not with all the uh, Super Jcast donations and ad revenue rolling in and filling <laughs> our, our coffers. No, we're... hey, uh, I, I listen. I got a I got a little uh, PayPal uh, gimmick from you. So uh, listen, I appreciate when people uh, donate, and because uh, again, we're not going to do a Patreon, not on not on my watch, and not on certainly not on Joel's watch. So that's not going to happen. But, uh, you know, it's nice to be financially compensated for our time and efforts and the joy we provide. And the- I will say this. If yeah. if we did a Patreon, it would be fucking great, wouldn't it? Just think of all the brilliant content we could come up with. But we're never going to do it. No. Yeah, you know what? But just imagine it. Just imagine how great that would be and just t- take a moment to... If we just talked about that shit that happened. we knew... Yeah, if we just talked about shit that we knew and didn't... You know, this was just be like we just let it fucking go. Yeah, it would be good. <sighs> it would be good. All right, well, listen. What do you want to do? You want to do a Patreon? <laughs> absolutely not. No, absolutely not. Yeah, me neither. I swear to God, I don't. I don't. I don't have time. I don't have the time. I don't have the time. And, and here's the thing, too. Again, the commitment thing is the biggest problem. Like, if people are paying, they want content. They want shit. They want good stuff. Uh, and I don't know. I don't have the energy for it. Sorry. <laughs> I just don't. I just don't have it. And I know you don't either. So fuck that. 
Yes, quite. Uh, let me just close the door. Manning's coming in and out of the Ooh. room because fuck this podcast. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Let's, uh, does she not know you do a podcast still? I mean, she, does she have any idea that, that you still – every week we do this. All right. Right. A uh, bit of unfortunate news to give oh. off the show this week, and that is the passing of Leaping Lanny Poffo, mm-hmm. who I think – would it be fair to say, like, is there anyone else in – New Japan Pro Wrestling history, who was with the company for such a short period of time, was, you know, with all the love in the world, uniquely terrible at <laughs> the job they were brought in to do, but are remembered with such genuine fondness for that period of <laughs> professional yeah. incompetence. Yeah, it was a it was a time, wasn't it? It was a it was a time. And when we found out, we were just like, what? Why? 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 And the fact that he had the – listen, he got a free trip to Japan out of it. You know what I mean? Like that's – I would do it. I'd make it – I mean, you know, imagine them calling up me like, uh, it's it's a fucking big Japan pro wrestling. Uh, Damon, we need you to do some color commentary. Would you mind coming over? I'd be like, yeah, what the fuck? I don't know anybody, but sure. I'll make it up as I go along. Uh, I basically do that here. <laughs> um You've, you've been pretending to watch all these matches yeah. that we've been discussing for the past yes, three years. Come on. You think Fucking- they sat through 36 minute never open weight six man title main events of Corrigan Hall and clap crowds? <laughs> Did he fuck? <laughs> we were just blagging that. Yeah, these matches just- didn't even exist. Yeah, right. Please. Um, he. Everybody says he's. He, everybody who's ever met him says he is uh, a good dude or was a good dude, should I say? Um, and in a, in a small way, I like, I feel bad in the sense of, uh, we were pretty brutal. (laughs) Um, but you know, everybody says he's a good guy and it was just a, a wacky pairing and, uh, it happened, (laughs) you know, but, but yeah, I, I think back and it's just like, wow, that was a, that was a moment. That was a fucking moment. But, uh. Yeah, it's weird. Well, he wasn't that old. He was like in his fifties, right? Late fifties. Uh, I think he was in his sixties, actually. Okay, all right. But there was a, a lovely thread on Twitter from our friend Mav Gillis who uh, shared some stories that he had for traveling around Japan with Lan- Lanny. So, um, yeah, do check that out if you haven't seen it because I think it really sort of put some, um, you know, real life context. All these, you know, stories you hear. Of, what a person who's widely agreed to be just a, a really a kind and a lovely man, even if he was rubbish at <laughs> doing kind of commentary with New Japan for a wrestling. But I mean, that said, uh, some of the the things that he said are going to live like long in the in the memory. Like things like champion of the British, everyone says that now. Yeah, you know, that that is going to be forever associated with the Rev Pro title. It's going to be champion of the British, and that's because of Lanny Poffo. Yeah, you're right. You're right. And speaking of which, I miss Mavs. I was like, well, I haven't heard from that guy in, in forever. Um, I mean, not like he talk, we talk together or, you know, he texts me or anything, but just, uh, just to hear his voice. I haven't, I haven't heard it in a while. I think he does like minor league hockey in like, I don't know, Nova Scotia or so. Ah, uh, Mavs, miss you. Miss you, buddy. Um, and Lanny Poffo, the poet laureate. Of the World Wrestling Federation, I was watching a uh, somebody made a montage of all his poems. You know how he would do a poem at the beginning of every fucking match. 
gotta be honest with you, these poems were not good. <laughs> they're, they're, Look, they're, wrestling and poetry doesn't mix. So you it can really just doesn't. Ask how wrestling fan about that one? <laughs> there is, there really is a not a Venn diagram of the crossover between poetry fans and pro wrestling fans. Really, the mix. Uh, but my, the funniest thing is like McMahon, like he, and you know Howard Finkel would be like, and now a poem from the. You know, leaping Lanny Poffo and McMahon would be like, "All right, <laughs> nobody's <laughs> like, nobody's excited for it." But <laughs> McMahon trying to get it over, ah, a poem, yeah, fucking what a time! Ah, you know, he'd be like, "The demolition is full of ambition." <laughs> <Ugh>. <laughs> like everything had to rhyme, every other line. Introduce that as a, a, a segment for the Jake. That can be for for our Patreon. This Poetry Corner with Joel. Yes, that's a good one. Our favorite wrestlers. Yeah, yeah, that would be really good. Jay White isn't always right. (laughs) How does his garden grow? Sometimes he is shite. Right, right. We're Uh, really good at this. You know where we are. Oh no more. We've got we've got to put this behind the paywall. All right, all right. Way too much for free. Yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. You're right again. Uh, lots to talk about today, right? Yes. Uh, well, let's get into it then. So first, well, the one bit of news I want to touch on today is Kota Ibushi uh, officially leaves New Japan Pro Wrestling. So they put out a, a little statement on the website saying with the conclusion of his contract period on January 31st, 2023, Kota Ibushi has departed New Japan Pro Wrestling. We apologize to Ibushi's fans for the abrupt announcement and join them in wishing Ibushi the very best in all his future endeavors. And what is next for Ibushi? Well, he has been announced versus Speedball Mike Bailey for the GCW Josh Barnett's Bloodsport 9 uh, coming up at the end of March. So I think anyone who has been following the news closely, particularly the Voices of Wrestling flagship patron who have done tremendous work there in keeping abreast of this story and speaking to people in the know, that it's not a surprise that Ibushi has left New Japan uh, but all the same, I think it's a good opportunity to sort of look back on his time with the company. And I mean, I, I said that he's achieved everything there is to achieve in New Japan. He's wrestled pretty much everyone. So there's no real sort of sense of like, oh, we, you know, we really missed out on X, Y, Z with Ibushi. And it's uh, just one of these things where it just makes sense for all parties for him to move on and pop up in uh, wacky and cool places. And I, for one, will be interested to follow where he goes from here. Yeah, me too. Uh, you know, it was kind of, you, you kind of saw the handwriting on the wall. I mean, I mean, we talked about it here, you know, how we just couldn't see how this could be reconciled. How how could this be? I mean, and again, and it is pro wrestling and stranger things, it feels like have happened, but, you know, like you just didn't see it working out. And I, I, I mean, I mean, he went out burning bridges, <laughs> you know, he went out on that fucking Twitter and just, just rattled off a lot. I mean, there was actually a, a really interesting post from Takamichinoku on his blog where he was talking about what happened. And obviously you have to take that with a, a very heavy pinch of salt because he's done his best to make him look completely innocent there. But like from his, the way he described it, essentially, like he was saying, Ibushi went rogue at this uh, J2O event and Tak was saying, no, Kota Ibushi, do not come out and accompany me to the ring. That is unprofessional. You'll get us all in trouble. And then Ibushi just like, ha ha, I don't care. I'm going to do it anyway. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know if that's exactly how it went down, but Taka did say that he felt something was off with him. And 
felt like something had happened to him during his injury layoff. So this was prior to Ibushi getting in trouble and presumably all the, the issue right. uh, with his mother. So it sounds like prior to that, I don't know all that time on the shelf with the shoulder injury, what else was going on, but um, you know, hopefully you can put all that behind him because I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm sad that he won't wrestle for New Japan anymore. You know, never say never. I'm not ruling out the possibility of him coming back when, uh, you know, it's all blown over. If there's, um, you know, interesting, I was going to say money to be made, but he's not a person who seems particularly motivated by money. He just, I think he's a, a bit of a free spirit who wants to do things that he finds uh, creatively fulfilling. And yeah, hopefully he can do more of that. Yeah, and I can appreciate that. There's nothing wrong with that, but you know, look, let's be honest here. We all kind of knew he was a little bit of a strange bugger, right? <laughs> you know, he's he kind of marched to his own tune. Um, yeah, and and he kind of showed that in spade. Look, the, this is what he is. You know, he is a guy who will flourish under those type of working conditions of – you know, going to whatever promotion he wants, wrestling in wacky matches, wrestling in in complete, you know, I put in air quotes, serious matches, whatever you know, whatever the the mood strikes him. Um, he's very good. He's he's fucking tremendous pro wrestler. Just you know, he's just one of those guys that just likes to do what he likes to do. Uh, that's about the as far as I can go. Um. New Japan, yeah, I, I, oh, he might show up at a big show or even a small show. He would probably be more likely to show up at some fucking random spot show <laughs> than Wrestle Kingdom, um, just because of who he is. Um, but yeah, it's a little sad. But yeah, he did. I mean, I guess the only thing people pined for was you know him and Kenny kind of going doing their thing. But I mean, aside from that, what else? You're right. What else? What else do you want him to do for New Japan? He did everything. It's fine. All right. Well, let's get on to discussing the new beginning in Sapporo. So we had two nights of this, uh, Saturday and Sunday, February 4th and 5th at the Hokkaido Prefectural Sports Center. Now, first of all, I think it's important that we discuss the fact that we had cheering back for these shows. Of course, this is not the first show that had cheering, but now this is sort of the line in the sand. We're going forward there are going to be no crowd restrictions, no seating restrictions, no cheering restrictions, apart from having to wear masks, but that doesn't seem to be too much of a hindrance. So Stuart says, do you think these two shows got elevated due to the cheering crowds? And Jack says, is Nuge officially fucking back? Yes, I would say. And uh, I mean, what was the first question? Uh, cheering crowd, what? Uh, did, it, did the cheering improve oh. the quality of the show. So, I mean, of course it did. Yes. I mean, and everyone, you know, that's a no-brainer. But yeah, it does feel that we can put all the shenanigans and, and bollocks of the last three years behind us. And yeah, this yep. felt like a coming out party for New Japan, didn't it? Yep. We could put it in a box and fucking bury it because I think we, we are, we are back. Um, I will say this, that if the crowd, uh, listen, the crowds, crowds are going to help any show. Uh, can you imagine this show as a uh, clap crowd or a silent crowd? <laughs> right. Uh, well, they did a good impersonation of one during certain parts of certain matches, but we'll get onto that <laughs> <Right>. later. <laughs> right. That is absolutely correct. But uh, 
Yeah, it's good. I mean, it feels – I mean, people are traveling. People are going. Um, I don't know. If, if, I mean, hopefully we don't – look, I don't – I, I in my lifetime there has not not been a period of time that has been weirder than that, like it's just a weird fucking time and a very I don't know just uh, woof <laughs> I mean I can't wait for the book to come out because, <laughs> because what a fucking what a what a like if you just if you just well, whatever we talked about it a million times who fucking cares it's yes we're done. And, I, and I'm very happy to say that we are. Yeah, so if there's anything more boring than talking about clap crowds, it's talking oh, about the end of right. clap crowds. So let, let's crack on. Uh, I don't think it is worth discussing these shows match by match because the undercards were just mainly setting up stuff that's going to be happening in New Beginning in Osaka. So we'll have a full preview of that later in this show. So let's jump straight on to talking about the sixth match, which was the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Tag Team Championship match, where... The champions, Catch 2-2, Francesco Acura and TJP, successfully defended their titles against just two guys, Doki and, sorry, Doki. Some some people are getting upset with my pronunciation of Doki, Dookie, Dukai, fuck off, uh, <laughs> in uh, 18 minutes and, and 24 seconds. So I I love this match. I yeah. really love this one. The, like the pairings, the chemistry, like TJP and Kanemaru together and Akira and Doki, those two sequences were great for different reasons. Like, like we'd really love to see a pair of singles matches, like put them in the same blocks together in best of the super juniors. Like they told such a great story here of the wily veteran Kanemaru taking apart the knee of TJP, which he'd been doing in the row two matches, as I mentioned last week. And that threw off catch two, two synergy. And I'm always going to love a match where Kanemaru is the focal point, especially against a guy like TJP. These are two, absolute pros you know they're, they're the masters at this kind of psychology they can they can do it in their sleep and you know you really notice the crowd energy during that figure four spot there was genuine drama created from a spot that you know would have been dead during the clap crowd and just the little moments where that knee work paid off like when they were trying to do the leaning tower and that collapsed uh due to tjp's bad knee that always gets an extra quarter star from me when you do things like that and pay off that limb work. Uh, I like the little callbacks to the Wrestle Kingdom, the inside cradle finish, and just the running theme in this match. It was a great story. Like, it didn't have any of the sort of spectacular flippy-do stuff that their Wrestle Kingdom match did. Right. But this was the story that their moves that usually win matches was falling apart because of TJP's injured knee. And I thought his selling was outstanding throughout the match. And, you know, this is the only way that they were going to make just two guys look like a credible threat, as I mentioned in last week's preview. And it really worked here. Like, the the, the crowd energy was fantastic for the Doki and Akira near-fall sequences towards the end. They got me to bite on those near-falls. They did a really good job with that. And uh, Akira, man, he's so good. He's improving each time I see him. His confidence is through the roof. He just bumps like a madman. That bump he took for the daybreak, he, he's just got that great ability to completely ragdoll yeah. And I felt it was structured in a great way to sort of tap into Akira's innate babyface charisma, despite him normally being a heel. And I think he is better as a sort of annoying, scrappy-do prick heel. But this match really put the spotlight on him in the closing stretch where he essentially had to finish off Doki by himself, which we haven't seen from Catch T2. They usually end up matches with double-team finishers. So, you know, it did make me consider the future potential upside of Akira as a singles wrestler. And, and I really like what I saw here, but... 
Either way, fantastic match. I can't say enough good things about the elevation of the junior tag division in the last nine months. I thought Dorky and, and Kanemaru were tremendous challengers. Just a, a fantastically laid out match. Made everyone look good. Uh, and quite honestly, I think it was probably the best junior tag match I've seen for years. And wow. that's a pretty high bar given how good it's been recently. I, I thought this was great. I did too. I really liked it. I, it was one of my favorite matches of the weekend. Um, and you're right. It wasn't a match where, you know, going into it, you're kind of thinking, well, you got at least three guys that are going to go crazy with, you know, flippy do, as we like to say. Um, I mean, Doki did it. Did you see that one fucking dive he did? Where he, he, I'm telling you, he just landed right on his head. Yeah, <laughs> he gets up. It's unbelievable. I was like, holy shit, he's dead. Nope. Uh, yeah, but there wasn't like, uh, like a ton of that. And again, that played into the story, the match. Um, I, yeah, I don't know where I would put it, but like when it comes to junior tag matches in the past, whatever, five years, three years, but it was really good. Like, honestly, I, I, the closing stretch was, was fucking great. And I mean, I think this, uh, of the weekend, this, I, this would be on my list of go out of your way to say, you know what I mean? Like, I think this, and, and it lived up to the hype, but in, in a completely different fashion, which, which, which totally impressed me because again, I'm going into it thinking, all right, we're going to just going to see a lot of, uh, awesome moves with Z and we saw some, but not like, you know, not like a car crash. It was really smart and really well laid out. Yes. I I a thousand percent agree. And I a thousand percent agree that these tag title matches, these junior tag title matches are some of the, the best stuff on shows period. Um, and you're right. There are times where it feels like they forget that these titles exist and the, the promotion. But with Catch 2 2, it's, it's, they're going out of their way to make sure people tune into their matches. Let's put it that way. Um, they, they, they are making it exciting. And even like the, the, the even some of the challengers are, 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 are making it happen as well. But, Look, as long as they are holding those titles, I, I, I'm all in on the junior tag division. I totally agree. Okay, seventh match here was Will Ospreay defeating Taichi in 22 minutes, 47 seconds. Now, first thing first, they've got to change Taichi's entrance video because every time Miha Abe pops up on that graphic, I feel very sad that she's not with Taichi anymore. Oh, a little tear rolling down my cheek. Yeah, why but is again, that? Why is that? Way. Has that ever been explained? Uh, yeah, it was in the backstage stuff around the time that Suzuki Goon were dissolving. Um, okay, you know, she they they said they were going to part ways oh. from that point on, which is sad. But you know, this is the the rebirth of Taichi, and symbolically, you know, he's wearing white in this uh, as he made his entrance. That's wrestling shorthand for "I want you to fuck me." It's a very horny kind of, you know you're gonna get a good horny match of one guy who's got the special white gear. It also made him look a bit like an evil warlock, which uh, you know to me that's a plus. So. Man, I, I'm trying not to talk too much about the crowd stuff, but just hearing that let's go Taichi chant, just hook that straight to my veins for a long <laughs> list of reasons. And I just thought it was a fun exercise to compare the last singles match that these guys had. I believe it was the last singles match at the 2017 Best of the Super Juniors, uh, where it was, you know, single cam. It was about 12 minutes long. 
Osprey's the baby face. As soon as the bell rings, he's getting choked with uh, the mic stand. They're doing a walk and brawl. But now, what is this, six years later, Osprey is this powerhouse bully just beating the piss out of Tai Chi with this real gritty physicality. Like, if you told me that in 2017, that this is what we'd be getting in 2023, I would not have believed you. And the the Kawada stuff was playing heavily into this match, the kick exchange, uh, with obviously Kawada being Tai Chi's mentor and him, you know, symbolically fighting for the pride of, uh, of his mentor. And... Like honestly, I think Osprey and Taichi are two of the best pure strikers. I hate that phrase, but but two of the best strikers in the roster. Like they they can hit each other so crisply and cleanly, and it sounds like it fucking hurts. Uh, and, and they tapped into a bit of that dumb pissing contest energy of the Taichi Ibushi uh, Budokan G One match when when they were kicking each other, and here they were just kicking each other in the tits as hard as they could, which was very fun to watch. And I've talked about this before. Like Taichi's so good at, at projecting. The, uh, the the quiet stoicism of uh, a proud warrior in a way that, you know, people normally associate with a guy like Hiroki Goto, but actually Taichi does it much, much better. Just the little touches like him eating a load of kicks and then standing up, being ready to stay, take the next one. But then the pain catches up to him and the adrenaline's wearing off and he doubles up in agony. And this is the thing with Taichi. He isn't always going to win. He's not going to win a big one. And he's going to go out on his shield though. And, you know, of course uh, he busted out the what's he calling it? The Sankan power bomb, the Ganso bomb, which Osprey sold like absolute death. It does look like a move that would legit cripple a man. And, <laughs> and as the match uh, moved on to the parts where Taichi was, uh, you know, in the ascendancy and had the, he had the crowd in the palm of his hand. Now, of course he's the hometown guy, but I was just soaking it all in. You know, uh, it's just feels very novel to me. And, is giving these matches a significant bump, as I'm sure it does for the wrestlers too. Like you can see they're feeding off that energy and, and putting in a bit of extra effort as well. And as we moved into the business end of the match, the the sequences, the counters were so creative. They were really impactful. Like we didn't get any of the usual finisher reversal dance stuff that plagues a lot of these uh, main event tier matches. It felt like two guys genuinely trying to batter each other. Uh, I was talking to Jay Michael about this earlier and he said there was there was no standing around waiting for a move. They either avoided the move or did something to make that, that waiting time seem natural. And that just really enhanced my enjoyment of this. And Osprey's flying hidden blade to the face. It, oh. like, it's so visually spectacular. I, I was almost thinking that it should have ended the match because there was one sort of about, about three minutes before the match actually finished. And it's a move that looks like it should be taking people's heads off. It's just absolutely devastating and the the fighting spirit from Taichi just perfectly encapsulated towards the end where he's literally walking into the elbows of Osprey like a zombie just brilliant timing and execution of Taichi's counter elbow the Hakuho elbow and then Osprey's counter counter spinning elbow these guys were just putting on such a great display of of timing and maximizing the drama for a really vociferous crowd and and I thought that was a, a real feat considering there wasn't the, the classic babyface comeback and near for here. Tai Chi was nowhere near getting the black from a fist though. They didn't even tease it. Like the story instead was that he was getting comprehensively outstruck and outclassed by a superior opponent. But they somehow managed to make Tai Chi look courageous and, and leave with his pride intact by, you know, him rejecting the referee stoppage at the ends. So it gives Osprey a dominant bounce back win and makes him look like a killer with Taichi's lifeless body being carried from the ring. But also, you know, Taichi looks like a really courageous hero in the process, even though he lost. And it's not easy to do that. I just thought this was a really brilliant match. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the one thing that I, that I, when watching this match, 
um, and not to tie in clap crowds again and, and cheering crowds again, but this was one of the first times where you, at least I felt like they were working a match. Like you're always looking for crowd reaction, right? And you're always looking for, okay, like wh- what is the crowd into, right? I mean, that's kind of their job. So uh, it, that's very hard to do when no one's cheering and no one's, you know, you, there's no noise and there's, but this was like one of the first times where, and again, it's one of the first cheering crowds, but it, like it was so refreshing to see them work this match and not just go through a match in their mind of, okay, we're going to do this. We're going to do that. Let's do this. Let's do that. Like it felt like it was a match where they had a general blueprint and then they were working off what the crowd was responding to. Um, and that, uh, like I was just like, oh, like to me, that's that means we're back, you know. When we talk about just hearing the crowd, okay, great. But the 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 performers in the ring, the wrestlers in the ring, the athletes in the ring, hearing the crowds again and being able to work a match to that, like in 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 concert with that, is was so refreshing and so fun and so. Like that's where I felt like we're back. Um, one day Tai Chi's going to get those wins because he's a guy that fucking brings it every time. Like I know we're trying to get a, like a reboot here of of all these guys from Suzuki Goon. If like to me Tai Chi's the guy. Tai Chi is the guy. Um, along with Zach, don't get me wrong, but he's the guy that is going to, uh, I just, uh, here's a problem I have. I have a problem with like, they stuck a bunch of guys together right? and they're, and they're leaning into that with their name. I just don't want them to be fucking mid card fodder. You know what I mean? Like I, 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 that's my only concern, but I think. 23 and even 24 it's going to be the year of tai chi all right so if you have the book what is tai chi's ceiling <sighs> are we talking like a iwgp world heavyweight champion or are we thinking like a, a maybe a new japan cup winner like occasional title challenger oh, i would have no problem with it. cup yep a cup winner i would have no problem with uh tv title I would have no problem with never title. I would have no problem with U.S. title. I don't. I don't know if I'm willing to go out on a limb and say big boy belt. But any one of those others, I I would have. I would. I would have not only zero problem. I am looking forward to when it happens. How about that? Uh, tai Chi, that's going to be my forever victory lap. Just <laughs> go back yeah. to the, the Cartwheel death matches. Yes. And of course, you know, he's, he's definitely evolved as a wrestler since then. But uh, I, I could see it that he had the potential for, for greatness in him. But uh, yeah, I'm not sure if the company shares that. Uh, um, you know, the, 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 I don't know if he's a draw, basically. I mean, I'd have to look into the numbers. I know this night didn't sell as well as the second night. 
how much of that you put on Tai Chi, I don't know, but uh, definitely one of my favorite wrestlers to watch and someone who just gives 100% in the ring every time. And just the, the evolution of him as a character and as a wrestler is just, it's breathtaking com- compared to the guy that we were watching in 2017. And I was enjoying back then, you know, for different reasons, but just the, the way that he has changed and, and wrestlers should not be static like that. And you see how much a guy can improve over that period of time, which I suppose is a, an appropriate way to transition into discussing the main event of this match, which uh, this show rather, which was Tetsuya Naito defeating Shota Umino, 32 minutes and 11 seconds. Now, look, this, this was a tough job to follow Osprey and Taichi, who had a, a really hard-hitting emotional match where the hometown hero, as I mentioned, and the crowd did not get anywhere near as hot for this as they did with the semi-main. And look, let's be honest, let's call it what it was. This was not a great match. However, I don't think it was a bad match. I see a lot of people, I think, overreacting to this and, and really sort of knee-jerk reactions, trying to throw Shota to the walls here. Uh, uh, people panicking about Shota Umino. So look, I think it's important we stop and take stock of what we've got here. Shota, he looks the part. He's got the body, he's got the hair, the gear. He's a hunk for sure. I don't think he's doing anything wrong per se. I think for the most part, he's executing all the moves. Well, you know, touch of sloppiness with the more complex maneuvers, but he's showing passion, he's showing heart. But the 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 gaps are there, the flaws are there. It all feels a bit too polished. And, you know, it's ironic given his moniker as the rough rider, but he'd benefit from from having a few rough edges. You know, dare I say a bit of an originality, a sense of self. Like if you had to do the elevator pitch for Shota Umino and describe him to someone who didn't know him, what would you say? Like, who is Shota Umino? Because he does look like a composite of other wrestlers. And does, I hate yeah. to say it, maybe you should listen to what, what Muto-san had to say with regards to not copying others. But, you know, I'm not even saying Shota is deliberately trying to mimic something specific about other wrestlers, but it, it feels like he has yet to really define his character. Like, why is he the roughneck? What does that mean? How is that reflected in his wrestling? What motivates this guy aside from the obvious? And these are all really basic, but I think very important things that need to be figured out before a wrestler can really connect with the crowd. And, and Shota absolutely failed to connect with the crowds here. There's, there's no denying that. But on the other side, it took some Hall of Fame wrestlers a long time to work out those things after many failed attempts. So Very true. I'm by no means saying that uh, a Shota is a bust or, or that it's time to sell your stocks, but he's on a journey. He still has a long way to go to prove he belongs at the top table. I think he'll get there. I'm optimistic. So I'm just asking fans to be patient with him, even if he isn't living up to whatever expectations you may have, considering his colleagues that his, you know, his appearance may remind you of. This is a challenge that Renderito also has ahead of him, and, and it's one that Great Khan was grappling with after his return from excursion. He's figured it out now, but it wasn't something that he did after three matches. You know, these are these are young wrestlers. They're learning every day. They're not the finished article now. They're, they're very big shoes to fill when compared to the top names New Japan has been blessed with over the last 10 years. And, and demanding that he be, you know, as good as Okada or as good as Naito is silly because not only because those guys that I mentioned are generational talents, but also because it took them a while to, to reach their peak. So, and, and, and also, right, I think it's important to say, don't be fooled into this fallacy of, of having to have an immediate hot take on these guys where you have to plant your flag and defend that static opinion for years. We have incomplete information here. There's there's not a race to have the correct assessment of Shota Umino 
after three matches. And anyone saying that they have is lying to you. You know, saying stuff like, oh, you know, Shota Umino is, is he'll never be good enough for New Japan. That's not analysis. That's that's blind squirrels scrabbling around the dirt. It is sensible. It is correct to be tentative. Let your opinions grow and change as we learn more about Shota Umino and he learns about himself. And look, the only way you can do that is by having experiences like this, high-level matches against high-level opponents, not everyone is going to be an Okada or, or a JY or a, a Hiromu and absolutely kill it from Jump Street. You know, you could you could count on one hand the number of wrestlers who were blowing the doors off this early on in their careers. And I think what we saw in this match is a young man who looks great. He can wrestle a, a passable New Japan Pro Wrestling main event. And that's not me damning him with faint praise. I think that's a high bar to clear. I think he cleared it. I don't think it was a bad match. It, it's absolutely not a match of the year, can. It, it's forgettable in you know the context of all the other stuff we're seeing from the company. But I don't think it was structured to be you know a, a blow-away match of the year, candidate. Again, like there were no crazy near-fall finishing sequences. Shota didn't even tease the Death Rider. Naito got a relatively comfortable win here. And you know that's how it's been played off by commentary, by Naito, by all the reports saying that you know Shota fell well short here and, and let himself down. But he got a 30-minute New Japan main event under his belt. Now, should it have gone 30 minutes? Would he have benefited from a, a shorter, tighter match? Probably yes. But again, he needs these reps and he needs lots of them, both you know, in terms of the, the cardio required to keep up, also the creativity to fill those minutes. And look, this guy had a really rough excursion. It was hamstrung by the pandemic. And again, the, the, his peers that I've mentioned, like Great O'Connor, wasn't being asked to go 30 minutes post-excursion. Neither was Ren Narita. So... The bar is higher for Shota because the company expects more from him. And and look, he did okay here. This wasn't the disaster that some people would have you believe, but obviously he still has a lot of growing to do, both in terms of his wrestling and his character, if he's going to come close to matching those who've come before him. And and that's okay. You know, I was just talking about Taichi versus Osprey in 2017 compared with Taichi versus Osprey in 2023 as an example of how much things can change. And Shota Umino, he's 25 years old. And I think as fans we should manage our expectations. I agree with a lot of what you said. Um, I think the problem that people have, and I don't want to speak for people, but um, I'll throw it out there, the idea of it being a main event and, and, and being in that spot. And I think people have, they don't necessarily take into consideration who's there. Um, and you're right. It's a 25-year-old who's, well, not for nothing, like earning his keep. He's he's learning on the job. Um, I, I you mentioned that he's got to forge his own way, and he's got to find his own personality and his own why am I here? What's the reason for me being here? And I mean, I, I like you can make that same argument with Ren. It feels like, um. You know, like, here's how people are describing it. He's a dollar store at this point, you know, as a, a Joe Lanza term. He's a dollar store Hiroshi Tanahashi. And Ren is a dollar store Shibata. You know, that's those are the first things people are saying. Um, and and. In some ways, I feel I, that's really unfair. It's incredibly unfair. But in the same breath, that's what people are seeing. Um, so yeah, I kind of wish. Look, you can't just snap a finger. 
Look at Naito. Naito went fucking, what, years doing this stardust, <laughs> you know, uh, uh, you know, with the, with the, uh, he looked like he was a, you're not going to get the reference, but he looked like he was Tassels. a fucking, yeah, a fucking mummer. Um, I wanted him to have a, like a banjo walking down Broad Street. Um, and it's, you know, and it took time and it took, uh, you know, it, it took time. And even when he w- was going that route, trust me, I was one of those dudes like, what am I watching here? This guy doesn't care. Why do I care? And then look at what we have. Look at what we got. Um, so I don't even think necessarily that this version of what we have is what we'll have in a year or two years or five years. Like, I don't think that it's going to be the same person. I don't think it's going to be the same look and feel and emotional connection. And it's going to be different because I got to be honest with you. It kind of has to be. Um, I don't think there, there's any question in anyone's mind how New Japan feels about this guy and what they see as the future of the company with this guy. Uh, He's just got to figure it out. And I think people are projecting five years from now onto him today. And I think that's that's, that's really the wrong way to go. Um, Was this match tremendous? No. Was this match great? No, no. Was it good? Yeah. Yeah. It was fine. I think people are upset and uh, and cautious and ready to point a finger and be like, oh, yeah, he doesn't got it. He doesn't have it. Uh, a little quickly. A little quickly on this guy. I think there are interesting questions to ask about how the company are approaching this. We've got questions. Juice 9100 says, tremendous endings to the last two nights in Sapporo. Question is about Shota Umino. How long do you think until he's main event ready to the next level? Do you expect a New Japan main event to be? And Let's Groove tonight says Umino looked like a million bucks in the ring with Osprey and on the Forbidden Door show, but otherwise it's just average at best. What does New Japan need to do to get the best out of him right now to properly begin building him up? And so, yeah, that's what I'm wondering because I'm not, what are New Japan trying to achieve with this booking? Because he's had what, two big singles matches against Will Ospreay and a big singles main event against uh, Tetsuya Naito, and he's lost all of them. He's not even come close to winning any of those. So he's been put in these spots which, you know, it makes me wonder if he's been deliberately set up to fail in a kayfabe sense. Like, you know, is that the story here, that this is a, a guy who has been put in these spots because of nepotism and just is not up to scratch? Because if they wanted to rock it, do the rocket pack to this guy, he would have won at least one of those matches. You know, look what they did with Okada in 2012. He beat Yoshihashi and then he beat Tanahashi and he was the champion after, what, two months? So this is obviously not what they're doing with him. This is not them trying to force him down people's throats saying, look, this guy's the, the best wrestler on the planet. He's beating everyone. He's losing all these matches. Yeah. So again, I think a, a lot of the time with New Japan, we as fans fill in the gaps in terms of the storytelling and we project, you know, bits of lore and and nuances and stuff that sometimes are not really there. We do a lot of the heavy lifting, but I think here, this is one of the situations where, again, I hate to use the the phrase that the WWE fans use, uh, let the story play out because like I say, he's lost all three of his main events so far. And I think that means something. 
It does. It means he's he, he, it means he's relatively inexperienced, <laughs> you know. And 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 as he should be losing, um, I think we got a long way to go. You know what I mean? We got a long way to go. This is not a burial. This is his. You know, this is the first time in the spotlight, even a little bit, a little taste of the spotlight. Uh, we we got a long way to go. We got a long way to go. And I'm going to say this flat out. What we're seeing now will have little to no impact on what we have in two years, three years, five years. Uh, I just don't see it. I just don't see it really playing a huge factor. Like, does anybody go back and watch those old Tanahashi matches and think, oh, oh, okay. This guy's going to lead the company. This guy's going to, you know. It took time. It took a while. And I know people want to reference Okada being placed in a spot where, you know, we're 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 going right at it. I think Okada's kind of one in a million, <laughs> to be honest with you. Um and 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 we're not using Jay White as an example, and we're not using Great Okan as an example. Uh we're not even using evil as an example. Like Okada kind of sits alone when it comes to that. Um, again, talk to me in two years. Talk to me in two years, and then we'll have a discussion about is this guy worth is, is he worth the squeeze, as the kids would say. I don't think any kids. All right, let's move on. (laughs) (laughs) Let's move on to uh, night two. Then I'm going to skip straight ahead to the sixth match, which is the IWGP Tag Team Championship match, where the champions Bishamon, Yoshihashi, and Hiroki Goto successfully defended their titles against TMDK, Shane Haste, and Mikey Nichols. And I was a little bit surprised about this, but as I said in the preview, I think this was a a no lose situation. I would have been happy with either team winning. I was kind of leaning towards TMDK getting the win to sort of get establish them as a, uh, this new faction, relatively new faction, as a, a serious threat. But actually, I mean, that's not really how New Japan book, books things. I mean, if you look at when United Empire were in their genesis and they had a load of big singles matches at wrestling and they lost all of them. You know, this, this is what New Japan does. Like, they're not going to give them all the wins straight off the bat. Uh, in terms of the match itself, it wasn't as good as their, their tag league match. I felt like they were holding back. I mean, it was a really good match and I enjoyed it a lot. But I, I think... They are going to meet again, and I think they've got a better match in them. And actually, I was just happy for Bishamon to successfully defend these titles for a change because we've had too many one-and-dones with these heavyweight tag team titles. So I like Bishamon a lot, and yeah, good to see them retaining, and let's see what they're going to do with them next. Yeah. I, yeah, I was... I was. I even think in the preview last week, I was projecting a title change just because I, I know you like them. I know... I mean, Goto and Yoshihashi do nothing for me. I'm sorry. They just don't. I, I just, and even though there are many times where I I leave watching a match and it's like, oh, it was a good match. Yeah, it was good. But I, I don't know. I just, there's something that just does not connect with me. And I'm, I, I like, and at this point, I don't even know why. I just, maybe it's just years of being. <laughs> just subject to, to what we had. I think it's hard for me to, and I'll sit here and talk about it all the time. Like, oh, we got to put some respect on his on their names and blah blah blah. I should do that, but I have trouble doing it. Uh, I thought the match was okay. I didn't think it was. I don't think it was great. 
I thought it was good. Uh, I would have loved to have seen a title change here, but all right, I, I will live another day, right? Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, Michael CC's asked uh, something I just talked about before. Are you in any way concerned about New Japan's two new factions coming out of Dash? Uh, so just four guys in TMDK winning one out of four big matches in Sapporo. How do you feel about the groups and where do you want them to land on the cards? And yeah, as I said before, I don't think it's any reason to panic. I think with these new factions, usually it takes them a while to establish themselves in the pecking order for New Japan. And like I said, with United Empire, it took them quite a while to actually start stacking up prominent wins so it's going to take time for them i think tmdk will get there i'm pretty sure tmdk will win those tag titles at some point in this calendar year just four guys i'm less sure about i would love taichi to be winning a singles title i think it'd be great for kanemaru and doki to win junior tag titles i don't think takamichinoku is going to win anything and kevin kelly was talking actually on commentary that he feels that they need to add at least one more heavyweight to the mix. So I don't think this is the faction in its finished form. I think there's a few moves and, and shakes to be happening in the next few months. But I, you know, I don't think it's anything to worry about that they didn't win so many matches this Can weekend. I, I, I got to be honest with you. I I'm really not a fan of. We break up one faction and now we have what three new ones. <laughs> Tired of factions. Yeah, <laughs> we have. I know, I know you hate the factions, but I will say this: like New Japan, they have a, an enormous roster uh, of wrestlers. You know, not necessarily full time contracted guys, but just if you look at the, all the people that have appeared on New Japan branded shows over just the last twelve months, it's a, a huge uh, embarrassment of riches in terms of talent. So I think, again, I'm going to wait and see and see how these uh, factions are filled up. At the moment, it does look ridiculous that, you know, we've got three factions that have like three slash four people in them. Like right. it, it looks very silly at the moment. But um, yeah, I th- I think I definitely agree. I, I understand your skepticism, but um, yeah. I, I mean, see. seriously, I, we have, I mean, uh, 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 <laughs> Bullet Club, House of Torture, Chaos, TMDK. Uh, f- just four guys. Uh, who am I missing? Uh, Losing Go Bernabeles. Uh, who else? Uh, uh, Hontai. Yeah, Hontai. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that's seven. Uh, Team else? Filthy. I didn't. Team Filthy. Um, United Empire. I haven't even said, dude. That's nine. Nine. <laughs> nine factions, and I'm sure we're forgetting somebody, right? It's it's sad. Straight dog army. Straight. I mean, do they count? I don't they know. Appeared in Japan, but they still count. <laughs> you know what I mean, though. But it's just like, oh my god, do we like? We're just, uh, four is plenty. <laughs> four is plenty. Uh, we have nine right now. And again, I, 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 do we miss anybody? Uh, maybe we did. It's it's a little much. I'm just gonna say it's a little much. I'm a, I'm a little over all these fucking factions out of hand, out of control we did have a message from andrew who said no mention of bad dude tito in the new tmdk entrance video oh. none on the faction chart that he shared has even quietly phased out and who do we write to to complain about this now no i think the good news is that zach explicitly said uh, in his post-match promo that uh, t- uh, bad dude is still part of the faction however 
he says that Badu Tito needs to change his name to something more British or Australian. So I asked for some suggestions on Twitter. Uh, Tom Lawler actually chimed in. He says, uh, skanky bogan Tito. That's there you a good go. one. Uh, and Eva, formerly of Voices of Wrestling, says, bad mate Mar- Marmito. <laughs> Hard bloke Tito, bad bloke Tito. Beans on tea toast. I love that. Beans that one. Tea I'm a beans on tea. Oh, yes, I want the beans. Yes. <laughs> That's uh, at Dustbuster, beans on tea toast. Uh, proper naughty Tito. Uh, David Jones or John Smith, bad bloke Tito. Bit off though, isn't he? Tito. Tito Dundee, shitbag Tito, Troubles oh. Tito, Tip Top Tip Top Tito, Horse on Tito. Uh, <laughs> the one that Zach suggested himself, sick cunt Tito. Wow. So we'll see about, which one of those. <laughs> I like how about this one? How about this one? Meat Pie Tito. Right? Meat Pie Tito, yeah. Come on, that's pretty good. Meat pie Tito. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no no need to panic. Tito is is going nowhere. I hope. I hope. Yeah. yeah. Um, all right. Let's move on then. Uh, so the... Do, 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 where am I? Oh, seventh match. NJPW World TV Championship match. Uh, champion Zack Sabre Jr. successfully defending against the challenger Tomohiro Ishii. Uh, look, we've seen plenty of matches between these guys before, but I think this one really kicked into gear in the last five minutes where the time limit stipulation added the, the sense of urgency that it advertised. You know, they ended up doing some crazy stuff like we had Ishii busting out the Yoshi Tonic and you don't often see Zach doing those sorts of crazy finishing sequences. So it was really fun, really exciting. And I think proof of concept of this TV title, like that, it's something different, isn't it? That when it's that you get that 10 minute call and things just really kick into that extra gear that, you know, we don't usually get in these top tier New Japan matches. Usually we're going, you know, you can sort of not pay attention until you hear like the 25 minute call and then, okay, right. 25 minutes. Okay. Now I'm going to start watching it. But uh, yeah, I'm really enjoying these uh, NJP World TV Championship matches. I thought this one was uh, a lot of fun. Yeah, I hate the title. Uh, I love the concept. Well, and, and especially for those two guys. Like, I, I don't necessarily want to see a 20-minute, 30-minute Ishii match. Um, I like I like a nice, nice, compact, no all-steak, no sizzle, you know, these type of matches. They're great. Uh, the, 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 the time limit does add an extra element of urgency, uh, that you don't get in other matches that, okay, I know, I understand we're telling a story. I understand we we got a, you know, 30 minutes <laughs> like, this is fantastic because you know, it's going to be a sprint. You know, it's going to be good. You know, everything's going to mean something. Um, and, and again, if they're, they're, they're it's, they got to beat the clock. So that's adds an extra element of urgency. Um, and and it makes it so that you're right. You you can't turn away from the television. Like you can't look at your phone. Like the, the you got 15 minutes. You can handle that. Like but you and you know there are spots in in plenty of other matches where it's like okay, they they're grabbing a hold. I'm going to go check uh you know my email or whatever. Uh you can't do that here. And I do like that. I I and I would say that this match this might have been my favorite match of the weekend. Not gonna lie. Might have been my favorite, along with the the junior tag. 
Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Well, I think I would say I would like to see some fresh new challenges for Zach because, you know, normally this was supposed to be a title for younger wrestlers. And, right. Uh, so far, it, it's, you know, 40 year old, 40 year olds aren't young. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, but however, Zach has uh, laid an open challenge for Battle in the Valley to the LA Dojo guys. So, you know, it'd be great to see someone like Alex Coughlin or Gabe Kidd come out and, yeah, they could have a, a banger, as the kids would say. Uh, the Positive Wrestling Fan says, do you think the NJPW World TV title could be like the 90s IC title, kind of the workhorse title? That ZSJ match was great. And yeah, it should be that. It should definitely be that. So I just think, you know, let's get some, you know, random select challenges. Let's, you know, throw in a, a, a Robbie Eagles or a, a Titan or a TJP or Carl Fletcher let's go crazy with it because you know i don't want it to just be established older mid carders you know we've done that we've seen zach wrestle those guys a million times let's let's see something fresh let's see something different i'm with you i'm with you but i will say this isn't that what the kop title is look this is an ongoing problem for new japan and I'll shout out someone here that is going to annoy a lot of people on our Discord. Uh, uh, for Well, I'd say friend of the show, Forrest, who did a video about the sort of New Japan philosophy towards titles. And his point was basically that there isn't a plan and they just keep changing their minds all the time. And he's right because the identity of these titles just keeps flip-flopping. Like they'll introduce a new title and say, and give it a sort of mission statement, right? This is a title for this. And then after a year, it's completely changed. And right. it just seems that they, they are very fluid in a way that seems sort of quite haphazard. So let me try and articulate this a bit better. So we've used to have the intercontinental title, which was, the secondary title for main eventers to feud over who are not involved in the, the heavyweight title scene. Now that's gone. And we have the U S title, which was supposed to be originally for, you know, to, for the U S expansion. But now the U S title is fulfilling that role for the main eventers who are not doing anything in the main, in the world title scene. Now the U S title is now where the IC title was. Are you with me so far? I'm with you. <laughs> then we had, we had the never title, which was for mid carders to have that, you know, sort of hard hitting faster work rate title. So that was the never title. And now that has become the TV title. The TV title is the, the shorter sort of 15 minute banger title whereas the never title i don't know what the never title is anymore right. it's the the absentee foreign wrestler title <laughs> right 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 that's that's exactly good i'm sorry you're on Did a roll you see what i mean that, yes. well th- this is what i'm saying that they introduce the titles and say this is what the title is for and then you know two years later it's it's something completely different and they've lost interest in it and there's a new title so you know why um, because one human being can't book seven titles effectively that's really what it comes down to. I hate to say it. And it, and that was always a thing. Like, we, you always talked about how, you know, this company always treated the heavyweight title with just this, you know, it was the it was the most well-booked title. Um, 
I mean, seriously, how do you fucking book seven titles and have everything be somewhat meaningful and 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 keep in the in the lane? It's fucking impossible. Right, and, and, and two, yeah, two years on from them getting rid of the IC title, uh, merging it with a heavyweight title, and then getting rid of the version four belt and introducing the new belt, can can you give me one good reason why they did that? No, no, I I, I don't know because not for nothing, you got rid of one, you added three. <laughs> It's like the Hydra. Every time you get rid of one belt, another three pop up. I'm serious. Jesus Christ. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like, what was the – like, uh, help me out here. What was the – I know the whole storyline of combining the title into one fucking championship. Uh, like, why? Why was that done? Help, help me understand. Like, in hindsight, why was that done? I don't know. There's, there's no reason for it. I thought it was to try and streamline the titles, but then, then there's the strong title, and then there's KOPW, and then there's the TV title. It's just they, they don't well, know what they're doing. They're, they don't know they're what they're doing. They're making it up as they go along. They really do. They really fucking do. Um, and, then, and again, that's over and above like your normal tournament wins. You know what I mean? Like your New Japan Cup or your G1 or your World Tag. Like... There are so many fucking titles in this company. So many factions. Uh, like, I'm going to throw it out there. Like, one, it's impossible to book. I'm so, I book everything effectively. And again, stay in your lane of what these things are for. Two, okay, the committee, if you will. Now you have 900 voices that are talking about seven different titles and nine different factions. It's too much. Can we we look? I understand during the pandemic that we had factions overseas, and there was shit going on in Impact, and there was shit going on uh, 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 troubling times. I get it. Can we streamline this fucking promotion a little bit? Because look, there we got a lot of meaningless nonsense. We got a lot of meaningless shit that people aren't going to care about. I'm sorry. There's only there's not when you when you have seven things that you need to care about, you care about honestly two of them. And I just remind you now that they've recently converted the KOPW trophy into being, into being a belt as well. So right, <laughs> right. It's no longer the dinky, you know, the participation trophy. It's the yeah. They actually have it, and it's blue. It's like a blue leather belt. Um, right. I mean, am I out of my mind with this? I don't think I am. I think I'm really on point with this. No, I, I, when it comes to titles, New Japan is like a dog barking at cars driving past. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's too much. I'll just, let's leave it at that. It's too much, too fucking much. All right, a main event then was the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship match where the champion Hiromu Takahashi successfully defended against Yo. Sorry, I can't give you time for this because they're not up on the website. They're not up on Cage Match. So uh, how long did this match go? About 29 minutes, I believe it went. And I really like this one. I was dreading having this going, you know, 30 plus. It was a, a bit long, but I thought they filled up the time well. And I think Yo has been really revitalized by this tag run that he'd have with Leo Rush. He seems like a changed man. He's full of energy and the crowd really got into him here. And I think this is a a big feather in his cap. He can do the big New Japan main event style match. However, we've got to look at 
what what's next for you? Because this is a guy who's 35 years old. So I'm asking myself, first of all, you know, what's his ceiling? Has the ship sailed on him being an ace of the division? I think it has. But however, I will say I think there's enough upside there for a title run. You know, six-month title run, maybe a best of the Super Juniors win there. You know, throw that into the mix as well. However, the division still feels a bit stale for me. Hiromu as champion doesn't is not doing much for me at the moment, so I hope we do get some fresh challenges and we're not just sort of cycling through the same five or six guys who have been doing past the parcel with it for, for the last three or four years. But um, for the match itself, I was really into it. I thought they did a very good job here. Yeah, um, I think they did okay. They did well. Um, yo, like the words coming out of your mouth, 35. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? Amazing, right? Did you go away? Yeah, I mean, I think, I think that, would, that would probably shock a lot of people because, you, you know, this is a guy who has basically been spinning his wheels in junior tag hell since he <laughs> re-debuted from Excursion. And that, that time goes quickly, man. And I've been saying it. that uh, Fortunately, it seems that New Japan are reassessing the speed at which they do this excursion stuff. But again, now having said that, now everyone's looking at Shota Uman and going, oh, he's not ready. You know, send him back on excursion. So, <laughs> right. Uh, look, he's ready. He's he's like Shota is where he he should be. How about that? Like in his development, he's exactly where he should be. And 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 I'll go so far as to say he's probably ahead of where he should be. Um, but he's not. You know, he's not like leading the company. Again, talk to me in three or five years. Yo, on the other hand, what do you do with him? Like, what do you do with him now? Okay, he lost. Like, that's why I was like, just give him the title. Give him the title. And let him see what he can do with it. Like, shit or get off the pot. Um, The match was fine. Like, I, I'm not complaining about the match. I'm, I'm more questioning, okay, you didn't give him the title. Now what? Now what do we do with this guy? I have no idea what you do with the guy. I, to me, he is going to be floating around in six-man tags. Like, he's going to be... I don't know. Oh, he's already aligned with Taguchi, <laughs> you know? So uh, that's what he's going to be. He's going to be that kind of guy. Uh, <laughs> Are you enjoying Taguchi doing the the ghetto impersonation? Yeah. Yeah, it's really good. It's fucking great. I, I look forward to it every week. And his, and his playbook and his uh, how to beat. <sighs> Life's good, right? Well, maybe then that uh, uh, Yo is going to follow the trajectory of the Rainmaker and is going to dominate the junior division oh for Lord. the next decade. Nope. <laughs> no, I agree. That, like, they should have put the... I, I was a bit deflated when Hiromu won because I was getting behind Yo and I was you know chatting to people on the Discord as it was happening and we're all like, Yo, he's going to do it. Come on, let's go, Yo. And then everyone was like, ah. Right. And, you know, it's a shame they've made us feel that way towards Hiromu. And I don't know, what are we waiting for with Yo? Why Why can't he have the belt now? Great. Listen, you go through the lineage of that fucking title. There's, there's been some, there are people that are ten thousand times worse than Yo. The fucking belt. Let him, let him see what he could do with it. Um, and again, it gives him something to do, and it lets him work with top talent and get even better. I don't, I don't see a downside of giving him that title. And, and then look, you have a lot more options with Hiromu than you do with Yo, in my eyes. 
give him the fucking title. Let him let him, let's see what he can do with it. But well, I, I'll tell you why I think it is. I think uh, as the restrictions are lifted, they don't trust Yo as a draw. They are putting it on Hiromu as a safe, reliable person who can move tickets. Okay, can I ask you a question? Is, I, don't, I don't think that's the right that, move. That, personally, that, I mean, there's that, that title's not drawing. Period. I mean, this is not fucking Liger and El Samurai, right? This, it, like who who in the past two years has that title? Would you consider a draw? Well, aside from Hiromu, yeah. Robbie um, Eagles, Despi, Despi does okay. I think he's. Uh, Would you think he's a draw? Well, you know what? Here's what it is at, like at like best of the junior finals, right? I mean, that's they're um, they're expected to fill the house. And Yo's been in that position, right? So why not give him the belt? Yeah, I agree. Belt him up. Yeah, well, I mean, I mean, you put him, you put him on the the spotlight junior event of the year. He's the one that you know. Him and Hiromo were the ones who had to like bring the house. That that, that didn't seem like it was a disappointment. Give him the fucking title. All right. Well, that was a new beginning in Sapporo. Chris says, based on how good the last three matches were last night and tonight, would this have been better as one night or did them doing two nights allow each of the matches to get more of a spotlight? Would that junior tag match have been as good as if, if it went on third instead of sixth? Every year we say the same thing. Yes. Yes, it would. But they have three houses instead of one. It's really, I mean, that's the best I can give you. Yes, the card itself would have been great if it were just one. You got three houses out of it. And so you're spreading the peanut butter a little thin. Yes, but you got three sandwiches. Uh, Nick says, thoughts on if Naito is still a 30-plus minute main event guy. I know Umino being green didn't help, but I also felt underwhelmed with his match against Keno. And I'm slightly dreading that he and Muto are going to go 30 minutes too. Oh, they're going a long time. I guarantee that's not going to be a 10-minute match. Uh, he could still go. You don't think he could? What do you think? You know, I, I think he's a 30-minute guy. Yeah, definitely. I mean, he had some incredible matches last year. Uh, the Osprey matches, the Okada trilogy, uh, the Zack match in the New Japan Cup. No, he's... And even he, the Yabushi stuff, you know, going back. Yeah. Match. Yeah, he's fine. Yeah. yeah, I'm with you. All right, let us preview the new beginning in Osaka, which ah. will take place next Saturday, February 11th. Uh, this is a really interesting one. So uh, let's go through the card here because something's up. I smell a rat. Oh, card. I wonder if you will agree with me. But all right, let's go. Uh, so first match is Oscar Loiber and Toriano against Aaron Hanare and Great Okan. So Hinari's coming off the back of what sounds like a very well-received match on Tamashi, so I'm looking forward to seeing that one. And it, I actually, I've really enjoyed the Oscar Loiber against Great Okan singles matches on the Sapporo show. So I realised that was something we'd lost in the clap crowd era, which was the underdog babyface heat for a young lion. And I thought Great Okan worked really hard to sell the near submissions in the Boston crowd. Not something we often get in a young lion versus established mid-card match. So... Uh, you know, good to see Greta Khan getting his uh, secondary move, getting a win, it will, against the young line. So, yeah, I'll be interested to see what the direction is. I mean, I don't know when we're seeing Jeff Cobb again, but maybe this could be a launching point for 
the holy seamen army to be launching themselves back into the uh, tag team title mix. I don't know. That's that's my feeling. I mean, obviously, Hinari and Greta kind of picking up the win here, and maybe that's leading to more action in the tag division. He's got the longest limbs I've seen in a human being. Doesn't he? No? Yes? I haven't really thought about that. Now I'm sort of thinking about it. Yes, there's something sort of quite ape-like about him, isn't there? It's the, He has the longest arms and the longest legs and the shortest torso, and his head doesn't fit his body. <laughs> right? He's the weirdest like body shape. Like He's like, a, he's like if you took Steven Regal and you – like. And Stevie Regal was like a stretch Armstrong, and you just pulled his arm and pulled his leg, <laughs> like, and his torso stays the same. Like he's just weird looking. Like, like he's almost like nobody reminds me of like body wise is Akira Maeda. Like he has that similar, uh, uh, but Maeda was like thicker. But he has like these just these long limbs and long arms, and I just couldn't I couldn't stop looking at him. Fucking unbelievable. Uh, okay, I'm sorry, Ken. <laughs> no, that was it. There's great analysis, great preview there for the match. Uh, the second match <laughs> is a eight-man tag match with Taguchi, Tiger Mask, Shota, and Honma against LIJ, so the Bushi, Hiromu, Sonata, and Naito. So this one is worth keeping an eye on for the Sonata losing streak, which continued. So he yes. ate uh, another pin in the match where Bushi was right there. But uh, yeah, Sonata, he keeps losing. So I don't know if this is something that's necessarily going to come to a head in this match. But I don't know. I'm thinking he might be eating another pin here. Yeah, I mean, he's been eating a ton of them, hasn't he? Consistently. I mean, that would be fucking wild. If, if this is a match that has Taguchi and Tiger Mask and Honma and Bushi in it, if Sonata is the guy who gets pinned, then yeah. Something's up, yeah. Yeah, I think I think you're watching that match for that. Like, if it, honestly, of all those names you mentioned, they can't lie down, and he's lying down. There's got to be a reason. So, yeah, keep an eye on that. He's eating a kokeshi. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be great. I would cheer. I would jump out of my couch. All right, uh, third match then is a singles match between Master Huato and Taiji Ishimori. So, I'm a card carrying member of the Huato fan club here, and. Obviously, this one is quite interesting because Ishimori was the junior champion but did not get directly pinned or submitted to lose that. So he has a a rightful claim to be aggrieved and want a shot at the junior title. But I'm still waiting for Watto Mania. I'm holding that hope. I'm thinking Watto gets a big win here and challenges Hiromu, beats him, wins the title, revitalizes the junior. (laughs) I can just imagine your face now and it's making me laugh. Oh, my God. Uh, yeah, yeah. If we were uh, FaceTiming, you would get definitely get a laugh. Um, I'm worried about this match. Imagine if Ishimori goes into this as sandbagger, sandbagging Ishimori. Oh, like <laughs> this could be this could be a oh fucking a wild ride. Watto, look, I know you're a card carrying member. This is a this is this is gonna be something. This is gonna be something. I'm gonna set the bar at uh three stars. Does it go over three? Yeah, I think wow. it would go over three. I mean the, look, this is the third match on an eight match show. So let's not go crazy. I mean, I'm not saying this is gonna steal the show and be a match of the year candidate, but you know, it's going to get about. Well, I say you know, it's, it, this could be an angle. These are very low on the cards, so this is why I'm saying something is up here because 
the fourth match is Hiroshi Tanahashi versus Kenta, which is a match that co-main evented the Tokyo Dome. Yeah. And they buried it fourth match on an eight-match card. Something is going on with Bullet Club. And Krusty oh, is coming, Krusty is coming. But <laughs> there, there must be a reason why they are having these two singles matches, which could and maybe should be higher up. You know, that could be doing something on the, uh, yeah, higher up the, the card, basically. Yeah. yeah. And they've put it behind a six-man match which does not have a title on the line at the moment. It's behind Hikulea and Jay. It's behind Tamatonga and ELP. And obviously those matches have high stakes. But I just think that there's something bubbling under with Ishimori and Kenta and ELP and Jay White. Like I feel there is a reason why these two singles matches have been put so low on the card. I don't know what it is. It's a good point. Honestly, it's a good point. Um, I think this entire show, though, that's the... That's the hook for a lot of people watching this is it does feel like this is the show. And if it's not, phew, then I'll never talk about it again. I, I promise you I'll never mention it again. If it doesn't happen here, I'll never mention it. Yes. Yeah. But moratorium on the Bullet Club Civil War. If if this show ends with, you know, oh, Hikolo loses, Hikolo's kicked out of Japan and just everything is back to how it is, then yeah, the, the Bullet Club Civil War is banned from the discourse. Yes, absolutely correct. That let, let's let's let so so we're talking about loser leave Japan. Loser leaves podcasting. <laughs> if it happens, great, we talk about it. If it doesn't happen, we'll never speak of it. Loser leaves New Japan World subscription. <laughs> right, exactly, correct. But I, I don't know what the play is here. I don't know if this is like Ishimori and Kenta picking up you know, dominant wins here to make themselves look powerful to, you know, some sort of coup later on in the night. I, I don't know what it is, but I just think it's a, a weird choice to have them solo down. It's Tanahashi versus Kenta. I don't know. I, I have no idea. I think I've, I'll say Kenta to win. He's, you know, get his win back because he got fucked up in the Tanahashi match uh, with that big table spot in the Tokyo Dome. So, yeah, I just think he will win and he's going to play some significant role later on in the evening okay i'm, I'm with you oh, i mean i i I'm, i might go a different route maybe like interference at backfires or some shit you know i don't know but um yeah it is telling that it is so low in the card so i'm with you i'm with you on it all right fifth match then is ren narita el desperado and minora suzuki against show yujiro and evil so at the time of recording this is not for the never six-man titles, but I suspect it will be yeah. because that is the angle that they've been pushing, like show and you draw an evil saying they're not going to defend the titles anymore. And Suzuki says he wants them to defend the title. Although it was really funny, actually, on one of the, the Sapporo matches when <laughs> House of Torture came out and the lights went off, uh, Chris Charles said, get the Mountain Dew, which is a, a fun little dig at the, uh, the, what was it, the blackout lights out? whatever fucking nonsense they did at the Royal Rumble. That was very funny. I don't even, uh, I don't even I mean, get the actually, reference. What was it? Uh, there was a, a Mountain Dew branded match at the WWE Royal Rumble show. A mounted what? Mountain Dew. You know, the soft drink. A Mountain, Mountain Dew. Dew. I was like, a mounted Mountain what? Dew, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Mountain Dew. Yeah, there yes. was a, a Mountain Dew pitch black match between Bray Wyatt and LA Knight where oh. it was all dark and there were neon lights and it was all spooky. Didn't they do Didn't that with, before? Didn't they make that same mistake before with the red lights? They had that match uh, with, like, Bray Wyatt, was it? Or 
Yeah, sure. What, what, is with the lights? <laughs> what is up with the lights with them? Come on. Oh, so Chris, so Chris mentioned Mountain Dew. Yeah, yeah, he was poking in front of them, which got wow. a chuckle out of me. But uh, I mean, I think this sort of Suzuki House of Torture thing is quite an interesting, quite an unusual dynamic because House of Torture, they're basically 2017 Suzuki Goon reborn. And just the little moments during Sapporo of Suzuki setting up Ren, you know, almost like a test, like sizing up, first of all, to see if he's worthy of his mentorship and also showing Ren what he can gain. Uh, and we have backstage, Suzuki was saying to him, and I'm everything you want to be. He's talking that he's absorbed the, the essence of Inoki and Fujiwara and Gotch and Maeda and uh, Takada. So Ren accepted his offer at the end and hugged it out with Suzuki and Despi. So they're all on the same page now. You know, they, Maybe they're going to be just three guys. It's another faction for you, Damon. Right. Uh, I don't know what the end game is this. Like, It would be very cool if it's uh, like a, ultimately we're getting a Ren versus Suzuki match. But... Um, in the interim, at least, I think these guys are going to be challenging for the six-man titles. Are they going to win them? I mean, yeah, the Let's House of Torture thing probably run its course at this point. I mean, I am enjoying watching them with a bit more freshness now that the crowd are allowed to boo them, but I quite like the idea of giving this new trio the belts. I love this. I love them. I love the new trio. I, I love the three guys. <laughs> the three guys. <laughs> Uh, that's that's a sexy that's a sexy little uh, team there. I like I like it. So, yeah, I hope there's a title change. And let's again, let's keep in mind we haven't seen the title change yet. So, it's got to be one or two, right? Eventually. So maybe this is it. Another question: Do you think Show and Neutral and Evil get involved in whatever angle is going down involving the Bullet Club? You know, one of the things that I did notice, and maybe I missed it, but they don't really mention House of Torture with Bullet Club, do they? Uh, it's sort of tenuously there. It's not in your face, but right. I think officially they are still a subdivision of Bullet Club. Right, right. But no official split. Right, but it's not like it's you know front and center. Um, I hope so. I just want this to start just so we can stop fucking again. It's Krusty's coming. Krusty's coming. I get it. Uh, that's what it feels like. So I just wanted to to kick off. And I think they have to be involved, right? I mean, they have to be involved. It would be, it would be silly for them not to be involved. They got to be involved. Yes. Again. Yeah. My, my feeling is that by the end of match seven, we will be seeing Ishimori and Kenta and Sho and Yujiro and Evil and JY and ELP and something will happen. That, that's what I'm going with. Which brings us on to this. <laughs> Stop it. The sixth match, which is the Lose and Leave Japan match. Hikolo versus JY. Uh, of MD Lyric says, Hey guys, I'm sorry if this has been asked before, but if JY does re-sign with New Japan, what else is there for him to do? I personally would like to see him go through a slow burn babyface turn, but as a new viewer, I don't know how realistic it is. Uh, the time for that has passed. I think the time to do that was after the Wrestle Kingdom 15 main event when he had that amazing match with Ibushi and the big breakdown afterwards. But the ship has sailed on that and it would still be good if they did it, but I just, I feel that Jay's got one foot out the door. Maybe this is a big swerve. I would love it to be. I love being swerved. I love getting worked. So I'll be delighted if it is, but it just feels that. Well, first of all, Joel, uh, Jay Wade has an eight-year contract. I don't know if you know that. <laughs> Blue cap, blue cap. Um, 
yeah, I, I feel, you know, we've got these rumours popping up. Oh, WWE are interested in Hikaleo as well. I think that was probably leaked by Hikaleo himself. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe he saw the Jay White rumours and then was just like texting Sean Rossab saying, hey, I, I might go to WWE as well. <laughs> right, right. Stir that in, Joe. They're like a hiccup. Yeah, my, <laughs> my, my gut feeling is that Hikaleo wins this. Maybe with some sort of involvement from other people. Yes. yes. That's what I'm thinking. That's what I'm thinking, right? Um, they, they, look, I don't know who's losing, to be quite frank. I don't even think that it's definite that whoever loses is definitely leaving Japan. What about that? What, uh, you know, what, what do they, you know, maybe they have another fucking screwy thing or listen, we had a match where you couldn't use Mongolian chops and guess who's using Mongolian chops. All right. They just totally fucking forgot about it. Um, uh, you know, that might be something that happens here. Who fucking knows? Uh, cause I gotta be honest with you. I'm, a, I'm in the camp of nobody's leaving. What do you think of that? Nobody's leaving. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's worth pointing out that Jay is still booked for this Battle in the Valley match against Eddie Kingston. So it's not loser leaves New Japan; it's just loser leaves Japan. So it could just be whoever loses is going to continue working for New Japan, but just do it from the US. So yeah, true. They could do that too. Mind. Yeah, they could do that too. But honestly, again, just because he said it, and just because that's apparently the stipulation, doesn't necessarily mean anyone's going to WWE. Okay. Uh, and I'm kind of in that camp. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. Seventh match is a never open weight championship match with uh, Tamatonga with his first defense against El Fantasmo. So again, yeah, what's giving me pause here is the order of these matches. The fact that we have... Wait a minute. It's supposed to be in bed. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> you talk to me about Tamatonga versus El Yeah, I got you. Wow, that's a screamer. Uh, Tamatanga and the ELP. Yeah, you, and I think you are right. The, the timing of these matches does mean, I think, more than uh, than other shows. I, I think, um, look, we've been saying it for a long time. ELP is prime and ready for uh, a big 2023 and maybe even 24. So, yeah, I think... Uh, I would I would not be shocked to see uh, something going down there, and even Hikaleo could be uh, involved in this match as well. The, look, the, you could be really fucking creative with this. My my issue is is that they tend not to be. In our minds, we overbook this shit completely. Now, this is a show that you could, you absolutely could, and you could go wild with. Every fucking wacky scenario under the sun. But eh, they don't have a, a big history of doing everything under the sun. <sighs> I don't know. I'm torn because because it's there for the taking. That's I think that's the biggest problem. The way this show is, is laid out and the card structure and the match layouts and everything. There's, there's possibilities that a blind man can see. To make this really a a an impactful, fun, uh, 
flag in the sand kind of moment. Will they do that <laughs> is, is the question that everyone has. Because, again, I'm sure everyone listening could come up with scenarios uh, that would be probably better than what we're going to see, <laughs> uh, if I'm being brutally honest. Uh, but it's there for the taking. And I think that's where frustration lies with a lot of people when it comes to New Japan booking stuff like this. They've had plenty of time. They've had literally years to figure it out. Will they do it is is the big issue. Will they do it is the big problem. And again, they have a history of not going super crazy, pardon the pro wrestling pun, um, when it comes to stuff like this. So if you're looking for a show where a ton of wackiness is going to happen, I don't know, I'm kind of talking myself out of it. But again, the possibilities are there. Yeah, this is what I was talking about earlier when I said about us fans projecting stuff onto New Japan that isn't actually there. And uh, to be fair, they are heavily hinting at it. But would I be stunned if Jay White beats Hikaleo and then Tamatonga retains his title and then it's just everything as you were with regards to Bullet Club? No. Dare I say that's maybe the more likely outcome here. However... You know, maybe we're looking at some sort of scenario where ELP Tamatonga comes on after Hikaleo Jay White because maybe Jay White tries to interfere in Tamatonga ELP or maybe ELP wins and then he is crowned the new leader of Bullet Club and kicks Jay White out of it. Who knows? Like you said, the possibilities are endless. So there's a lot of fun things they could do with it. But uh, I would say expect nothing and then you won't be disappointed. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, I would actually, I think Tamatonga should retain because I think he's really good and I'm enjoying his renaissance as a singles babyface guy. And um, I don't think he got a fair crack at the, I don't think he should have lost it in the first place to Carl Anderson. So I would like to see him actually get a proper run with the title. Uh, and I think the match would be really good as well. You know, this is a big spot, cheering show. Osaka crowd is going to be red hot. They love Tamatonga. I think they're into ELP as well. I think these guys are going to feed off that energy. And I think this could be uh, a sleeper match here. I think this this could be uh, really, really good. Oh, my God. You got to go, right? Come on. He's gone already. <laughs> He's, he makes his point and he runs to take care of a screaming child. Uh, okay. I've got her. She wants She wants daddy. She yes, of it. course. Of course she does. All right, All right. Wrap it up. Well, we, the main event oh. of this show is the, you forgot about this, the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship match. Shingo Takagi uh, challenging Kazuchika Okada. Now, Shingo wants it to be a double title match. He wants to put KOPW on the line. Okada wants none of that shit, despite being the guy who actually invented KOPW in the first place. Uh, I, I mean, there's a non-zero chance Shingo wins. I, I think most likely thing we're looking at a you know fantastic match in front of a hot crowd where... Okada retains and uh, ends up, you know, going to battle in the Valley to defend that, you know, maybe against Lance Archer or someone like that. But, you know, could it be Shingo winning and he's the new leader of Takagi Club or Takagi Gun? (laughs) (laughs) Ten. Ten factions. I'm like like the count. Uh, No, I think Okada wins. I think this is a – I think what you have here is exactly what's in front of you. Uh, the possibility of a great fucking match, an incredible match, quite honestly, 
uh, with Okada winning. Right? And, and and away we go. Uh, George says, given how the year started, any early predictions for New Japan Cup winners? Taichi. I'll go Taichi. I would love to say Taichi, but the thing is they've got to sell tickets for that um, Sakura Genesis. Is Taichi a draw? I don't know. Maybe Come he on. He's, a, he's fine. Him. I'm going him or I'll go uh, if if Jeff Cobb is back, maybe he wins it. Maybe. What about Great O'Conn? Great O'Conn. That's, that's the new crusty is coming. I'll yeah, that's, this that, is, that is the new crusty is coming. Yeah, yeah. Or Shota Umino winning the New Japan Cup after a series of really rubbish, boring matches just to annoy everyone. <laughs> now we're gonna we're gonna hold off on that one. All right, okay. I better wrap it up. Yeah, uh, yeah. Put this child to bed and put myself to bed. Now, before I go, yes. uh, I do have an important announcement here. Uh-oh. So this is our friend of the show, John, who would like me to read this uh, announcement better. February is Teen Dating Violence Awareness Month. So every February across the United States, teens and those who support them join together in a national effort to raise awareness to teen dating violence. Dating violence is more common than many people think in 2022 alone. Roughly 1.5 million U.S. high school boys and girls admit to being hit or physically harmed in the last year by someone they're romantically involved with. Teens who suffer dating abuse are subject to long-term consequences like alcoholism, eating disorders, thoughts of suicide and violent behaviour. One in three young people will be in an abusive or unhealthy relationship. 33% of adolescents in America are victim to sexual, physical, verbal or emotional dating abuse. 50% of young people who experience rape or physical or sexual abuse will attempt to commit suicide. This year's theme is Be About It. Be about education, learning about the causes and signs of teen dating violence. Be about engagement, meaning conversing and helping those you may see or suspect may be in a violent situation. Be about safety online, as 70% of harassment comes from social media and about 78% from text and other messaging apps. Be about empowerment, controlling your own life and practicing self-care. By joining together every February, we can spread awareness and stop dating abuse before it starts. You can show your support on Tuesday, February 7th by wearing orange and posting it on social media with hashtag, hashtag orange for love and hashtag be about it. For more information, you can go to www.breakthecycle.org or www.loveisrespect.org or you can contact Freedom House right here in Weatherford, your local crisis intervention centre. So for additional contact, John Enright at J Min, that's J-R-E-A-Z-Y-M-I-N on Twitter, or email John at freedomhousepc.org and see how we can help you by providing more information. So an important message there for, uh, what was it again? Uh, teen dating teen violence. dating violence. Wow. Mm. Yes. That's uh, not good. Okay. No. Uh, and yes. Oh, oh, the struggle log. I forgot the struggle log. Oh, my God. What? <laughs> I forgot to talk about Strong. This is the last episode of Strong. All right. Well, I the mean, the last ever episode, David. This is a huge moment. You, you the Strong log is, is no more. All right. Quickly do it. Go she's, go. She's, she's sleeping now. Oh, okay. Good. Um, you do it. Yeah. She's asleep in my arms. I'm just, yeah, doing <laughs> this old sleeping child, which is a. That's is good. it a first for the podcast? I'm sure I've done it before. I forget. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So this is um, the last taping ever for New Japan Strong. So this was Nemesis. So it's good. Good matches. I mean, Blake Christian defeated Kita seven minutes, 17 seconds with the curb. So I like Blake Christian. He's good. Very good in ring. Still, uh, you know, needs to work on his, his look and his 
charisma. Maybe you could get him best of the Super Juniors this year if he plays his card, right? I think he's got all the, the talent in terms of in-ring. just think he needs to be a bit cooler, basically, because he's, he's not as cool as all the cool guys in best of the Super Juniors. Uh, second match was Mystico defeating Mysterioso in 12 minutes, 8 seconds with La Mystica. This was really fun, and uh, not just because their names sound similar. Uh, this was just a really good lucha, good, good lucha stuff kind of match. I enjoy watching Mystico. Uh, it's always a treat. And yeah, this is a really fun match. And the third match was a strong open weight championship match with Fred Rosser successfully defending against Peter Avalon in 12 minutes, eight seconds via the chicken wing STF. So Rosser retains the strong open weight championship. We'll be defending it next against Kenta in Battle in the Valley. And look, the thing about this is Peter Avalon, he's, he's a jobber on AEW. He's never on Dynamite. So by picking him as your title challenger, that sends out a message about right. the level of the strong open weight title. You know, I want to see more defences against guys like Kenta and fewer defences against guys like Peter Avalon. But look, as I said, um, this, this is the last ever one. The Strong Log is no more. Um, so Mitch, there's thoughts on the new format for New Japan Strong. That was just announced. So for those of you who don't know, moving forward, uh, all events from New Japan Pro Wrestling in the US will carry the branding of NJPW Strong. In addition, the weekly TV taping format Strong will shift to a dual model, Strong Live and Strong On Demand. The first Strong Live event will be Battle in the Valley, which is live on pay-per-view. All this action will also be made available in March with NJPW Strong On Demand. So that will see matches from Strong Live delivered in a four-part weekly basis throughout the month, much as New Japan Strong has been to date. So basically, the model is you either buy the pay-per-view live or you get it for free. Well, I say free. You get it on New Japan World in four chunks week by week. So... Multiverse A says, what are your feelings on an e- this era of Strong being over? Will we still see some of the American-based talent in this new era, or will it be more of the core roster with the apparent new pay-per-view model? Um, and, yeah, that's my big question as well. I mean, I don't – I'm a little bit iffy about all these new pay-per-views popping up, and I get that it's extra content. It's not like New Japan are taking away stuff that used to be included in the world package and now charging for it. These are all extra shows popping up. And I get that they need to try and make back some money following the pandemic. So I don't have a massive problem with it, um, but it's a, a bit of a slippery slope, isn't it? Nobody's buying that. Do you think anybody's buying that? What, Battle in the Valley? Uh, not Battle in the Valley, because Battle in the Valley will be big for all the reasons that we've talked about before. Like, people will be watching that, no doubt. Um, Like... <sighs> Yeah, I don't know if I, I don't know if I agree with the fact. Like, just put it on New Japan World. It's a New Japan. It will be on New Japan World. This is the thing. So you you either buy Battle in the Valley as a pay per view and watch it live, or you get it in chunks coming on New Japan World. That stinks. That's not that, nobody. Why? Like if it, like like I don't know. I don't know if I agree with that, dude. I got to be honest with you. I got to pay extra to watch this show. Why? So, what if, so for the other US pay-per-views, yeah, I don't want to put you on the spot. Like, have you paid for them, or have you just waited a few weeks until they're up on World? I wait. Well, it's the same thing, isn't it? You just you wait four weeks and then okay. But point, where does but you're right? It is a slippery slope. Where does it end? Is it going to be where oh, pay? I don't know twenty five dollars and you'll get all the G one shows. Pay. Yes, this is what I'm scared about. Right, you know, if they start charging for things like that, or Dominion or Wrestle Kingdom. Right, right. Every big show, there's an extra fee. You're nickel and dime people to death. 
that's not smart. Look, I don't know. I don't, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not feeling it. I'm not feeling the idea that I have to pay extra for uh, what is a, sh- a big show. Like, I get that they had this agreement with Fight, and I get that they had other agreements with other platforms that, okay, we got to pay. But, like, I don't know. It seems like we're doing that a lot. It seems like we're doing that a lot. Like, the Noah show, we had to pay extra. The fucking... The joint show would start. Like, why is this all things we have to pay? Yeah, this junior festival that's going to be extra. right. Is it because we're dealing with other promotions? But why would the other promotions give a fuck? I don't know. We got to get some clarity on that. That's I don't. It's, it, you're right. It is a slippery slope. I'm, I'm telling you. I'm telling you. Around the corner is going to be. Oh, you're going to have to pay extra for for G1. Or, oh, you're going to have to pay extra for Wrestle Kingdom. Because why wouldn't they? Let's have a a little eulogy here for Strong, then. Or maybe even a eulogy for the the Stronger Log itself. Because it's been a a big part of my life, Dave, for the last three years. It's been part part of my routine. You know, watching Strong before I take the kids for their swimming class and one of the few people on the planet to actually watch it. I was asking what what, what your I, I know you know you didn't watch it religiously every week. Oh yes. But what would you say for some of the more memorable strong moments for you? Uh, I'll tell you what. For me, being there live, seeing Rosser win the title, um, that was pretty great. That was pretty great. Um, remember, uh, oh, what was it? Uh, Ross's promo that they had to mute yeah, in Rocky's face while he was yeah, saying all those awful things about Tom Lawler. Right. That's probably my funniest moment. But that, yeah, yeah, I think the whole the whole Rossa Filthy Tom feud was probably the highlight of the whole thing. I mean, there's some I, I asked a, a Twitter thread and people have come through with some just really great moments. Uh Rise of Ren Narita. So yeah, I mean, for a long time, Strong was basically the Ren Narita project. Mm. Uh, him bleeding all over the place against Juice Robinson, yeah. uh, Eddie Kingston against Gabe Kidd. That was a really good one. Kenta versus Moxley. That was a... Yeah, I remember that. Uh, oh, shit, yeah. When it was the empty arena days, but yeah. that was a, a tremendous match. Tom Lawler's mega heel run. Yeah. I remember Tom Lawler eating hair. Ugh, that's so yeah. <laughs> I have a Gabe Kidd's promo. That was pretty... Yes. Yeah, yeah. That was pretty... Uh, Emotional, huh? Um, the career renaissance of Fred Rosser in general. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it 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 did revive a career that people, you know, when he first popped in, people were like, "What? Who? You kidding me?" It worked out. Worked out. Hopefully, he parlays that into some some. I mean, what are they going to do with the title? They're going to keep the title. I think Kenta might win it. Yeah, I think Kenta would be a, a good choice. So I don't know if Fred Rosser sticks around. I hope he does. I mean, I've I've asked around. Like, I'm curious to see what is next for that roster because obviously, if they're just transitioning to doing big uh, pay per views in the states, then there's not going to be regular spots for all these guys. Right. And there's nothing concrete yet. I mean, there's an expectation that the mainstays, you know, guys like Team Filthy, Straight Dog Army, the guys who've been there a long time are going to stick around, but. For the rest, I mean, Shibata's still training at the LA Dojo, which opens up the door for, you know, more young lines. Kushida's starting to run seminars there. So the guys on the fringe will probably do well to just keep going to the dojo in case opportunities open up. And I know there's speculation about some kind of partnership with Ring of Honor. So I don't know if they, if what 
as I said, we saw this sort of trickle through of lower tier AEW guys working New Japan strong. So maybe that's the future of it. So the the strong regulars who are not going to get the big spots on pay-per-views and the lower tier AEW guys filtering in and, and hoovering up the ROH leftovers and just putting them all together on some sort of weekly ROH show. I'd be into that. I'd watch it. You know, if that was a, the, the chance for me to see guys like, you know, Bateman and Mysterioso and Fred Rosser and, and the like, I'd, I'd be into that. Cool. Yeah, it's going to be tough sledding. That's for sure. Um, especially when you have not a lot to that people can sink their teeth into and get into these people, you know, get into the characters. At least with Strong, you could watch them every week, and who knows, you know, how these guys are going to get over now. How many live events are they going to be doing? I don't know. It's it's weird. I mean, it felt like they created it for the pandemic, and now that the pandemic's gone, they're willing to wash their hands of it. So. I don't know. It is weird. It is. It, it was a big part of, of your entertainment. That is for sure. That is for sure. But yes, we must uh, lay it to rest and uh, bid it adieu. Adieu. Uh, last question, Jane says, will Arsenal choke? No, we're not going to choke. I'm defiant. I know we lost to Burnley. But, oh, all right. Okay. Esther's, Esther's had enough of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> all right redcircle.com forward slash those four slash super dash j dash cast discord link dm me on twitter at cobra kawaii pro wrestlingtees.com forward slash super j cast for t-shirts thanks editor dan he's on twitter at lousy hero 219 voices of wrestling podcast network other good shows five snake review on itunes follow us twitter at the super j cast thanks everyone bye What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Hello, Voices of Wrestling listener. Dave Ryan here. Have you ever wondered to yourself, how many hidden gems are hidden away inside the last years of World Championship Wrestling? Have you ever asked yourself how many tenuous gags can be made about the name Mike Enos? And have you ever thought about what it sounds like for two Irishmen to interpret a very chaotic company through its B-show? The answers to all this and more are just a click away. Check out Days of Thunder every second Thursday on the Voices of Wrestling podcast network.